Attention listeners, ahead are spoilers. Greetings and welcome to the movie trap. My name is Russell Carlson and with me as always, Chris Borup. This is the part where we're going to insert the sound effects of the rattling chains. And yeah, mm-hmm. right. Whoa. <laughs> mm-hmm. You might want to take the names again because I'm not Chris Borup. Yeah, no, you're not. That is, uh, Chris Borup, why don't you go ahead and give us an audio cue of who the hell you are. I saw what happened with Irina and her cat people. <laughs> and uh, the the interrupting sound effects were Zach Powers. Uh, yeah, um, most misleading title ever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you for joining us in the movie trap. Uh, here on the movie trap, what normally happens is one of us picks a theme and then each one of us picks a movie based on that theme. Uh, we all have an allocated uh, total of points for 10 because once we've watched all the movies, we are going to vote on using those points to figure, find out which one was our favorite. And whoever wins the theme gets to, whoever, whichever movie wins the theme gets to pick the next theme. However, this is a little different because we are in our now annual Halloween spooky edition. Uh, so what has happened is that we rolled a random dice to choose the theme for us and then rolled uh, for random order. And we are in the midst of classic horror movies, meaning any horror movie before 1959. And the dice has chosen Chris Boreff to uh, choose the film. 59, and... in, 59 inclusive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, up to and including 1959. Um, in case we want any of those old great 3D movies. Um, so... Chris Boroff has chosen uh, an odd movie uh, that I would not have called him to pick, um, considering that there are the the oh, legions of choices out there, sure. uh, including the one that pre is the predecessor of this one. Sure. Uh, Boroff has chosen Chris... 1944's Curse of the Cat People. Right. Uh, and he said he he was choosing between um, safe and unique, I think, were his choices, and this was his yeah. unique choice. Oh well, that, yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, it was also valuable to say that I did the chalk pick last year, so I decided to okay. go a little wild this year, and uh, it got back to me. Yeah, it, it caught me this time. Hard to get a chalk pick in this film. I guess it just depends on what everybody else picks because there's. There, it's just such just, a. We'll get into it. I don't think this is a bad movie. It's yeah. just no. No, well, we'll I talk mean, about it. Anyway. We're literally one year short of one of my favorite old horror films, so it was a little bit killing me when I picked this you one. You could have picked that you could have picked that film last year, as a matter of fact. That's true. That's true. You had oh. your chance, Buster. Oh well. I understand. Um, okay. face will so, wait for someday. Let's uh let's end the suspense. <laughs> um <laughs> and Zach Powers, why don't you reveal to us the curse of the cat people? Okay. Stay the... tuned, folks. There is no curse. There is no cat people. There are barely. There's anyway. barely a cat. Yeah. Um, there are people, so yes, I'll give it that. That's true. This movie features people. <laughs> Some of those kids are um... very catty. <laughs> anyway, the curse of the cat people is a 1944 uh, fantasy <laughs> thriller. Psychological, Psychological. I mean, horror. Kids movie. <laughs> we'll talk about. We'll talk about if the term horror applies here as we go forward. Sure. Um, it is directed by Gunther von Fritsch and Robert Wise. It is Robert Wise's directorial debut. Um, it stars Simone Simon, Kent Smith, and Jane Randolph. In fact, the same cast, uh, plus a young girl uh, named Ann Carter, from the 1942 movie Cat People, of which it is ostensibly a sequel but not really um so this film uh focuses on a young six-year-old girl named amy who resides in tarrytown new york famous for being uh the place where washington irving lived the writer of sleepy hollow uh sleepy hollow in fact plays into this movie a bit so it's Tarrytown, by the way, I've always wanted to point out. When I lived in New York, I was like, oh, it's pronounced Carrytown. Because I said, I'm, you know, moron from Colorado. It's just like, Tarrytown. No, no, it's it's pronounced Terrytown. Yeah. I mean, I believe Terry with an A is uh, indeed a word. Yeah, for sure. No, I'm just an idiot. Or maybe, yeah. Or maybe that's spelled with an E. I don't know. Anyway, uh, regardless, uh, 
It begins with a six-year-old and her classmates, Amy and her classmates, playing in the Glen that is ostensibly the location of the Sleepy Hollow legend. Um, there is a quick insert shot of some boys finding a cat and pretending to shoot a machine gun at it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, this, this will be the exclusive, um, ex the only cat in the film. The cat does not return. That's the end of the cat stuff. Yeah. Forget about and the even cats. The, the kid's yeah. imitation of a gun cracked me up. It took me right yeah. out of the movie because he just. I, eh, 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 I love the fact that it was in there as though it was an afterthought. We're like, oh man, people are gonna wonder where the cats are. Stick one in <laughs> in the first five minutes. Just have a kid shoot a fake gun at it, and we're good. There, and they got they their did. money's worth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, we find that. One of the classmates, Amy, is uh, has a tendency to daydream. She gets stuck in her fantasy worlds, and uh, when they play their old-timey-ass games about passing shoes around or whatever the fuck, uh, Amy is not paying attention, as per usual. Instead, she <laughs> um, wanders off to chase a friendly butterfly. Um, when a not boy, a cat. Not a cat. Uh, when uh, a classmate of hers catches the butterfly for her and accidentally crushes it, she slaps him in the face. Uh, causing some concern from her parents and teacher um, who worry that she is too stuck in her own fantasy world, too imaginative. Um, her father in particular is concerned because his previous wife, Irina, um, had an active imagination and it led to her death, or at least that's how he recounts the events of the first movie. I don't know how accurate uh, that is. Um, Anyway, uh, no, we'll, we'll have Carlson kick in on that a little bit later to tell us how this one ties later. into the original. <laughs> it's, it's there. Uh, Amy um, has a birthday party and no other children come because she mailed the letters in the tree in the backyard that her father had once told her was a magic mailbox many years prior. So no kids got the letter. So she wishes on her birthday cake to be a better daughter. And then... Um, Attempts to play with more kids, be more sociable, but the kids spurn her because they didn't get invited to her birthday party. And so it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, and uh, ultimately, um, she tries to chase them, you know, so they could play and ends up in front of a house that belongs to, quote, a witch. Um, uh, and an old woman from an upper, an upper floor throws her a gift of a wishing ring. And... Uh, Amy f discovers from the family butler, I think, that it's a wishing ring um, and that if she turns it just so and makes a wish, you know, the wish will come true. She does so and uh, wishes for an a wishes for a friend and begins to play with an unseen force um, in the yard, singing and running around and all these things, um, you know, the, the shit children do. Um, there's also a scene where she has a hoop and a stick. So they have all those old timey yes caps. Anyway. Uh, so the next day, uh, she's instructed to return the ring because it's too nice. Um, she's initially supposed to go with uh, the butler, but he's busy and she ends up going alone. Um, and it turns out the house is inhabited by not a witch, but uh, an eccentric former stage actress named Julia, who uh, is very lonely and perhaps a little bit not all there in the head, uh, and her her daughter, but Julia does not believe to her to be her daughter. Her daughter is named Barbara. Uh, Barbara is constantly like, I am your daughter. I am Barbara. And Julia is always like, no, my Barbara died when she was six. You're an evil imposter. So she's, yeah, you know. it's, it's, she's, uh, you'll notice a trend in this of like slight psychological underpinning to stuff. And in this case, she is showing signs of Capgrass syndrome, and she's most likely based off Madame McCarb, who was the initial patient who had Capgrass syndrome, where it is the syndrome where you assume that loved ones have been replaced by exact doppelgangers and you no longer accept them as who they are and who they say they are and uh there's been a history of this it's like a it's essentially like a brain lesion or a dementia that affects people in this case they're just explaining it as she's kind of an unpleasant old lady who won't accept her daughter hmm okay uh yeah i don't know if uh 
this is I know Robert Wise later directed a movie called The Body Snatcher, but I don't know if that's related to The Body Snatchers or if it's just people who take bodies. Um, don't think but, Yeah, don't think so. If okay. it's the one with Boris Karloff, I think they're just stealing bodies. It is indeed. Okay, so it's uh, more yeah. like a Burke and Hare kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so I guess that's unrelated. Back to the story. <laughs> ah. Um Meanwhile, in another movie. Uh, that one sounds way more fun, though, now that you reminded no me of it. No kidding. <laughs> Hell, your psychological explanation of uh, the Farron lady was more interesting. Anyway, yeah. keep going, Zach. Regardless, uh, the the old woman, uh, who is a stage actor, does a performance for Amy where she sort of recites the legend of the headless horseman of Sleepy Hollow. And, um, you know, for, for uh, Amy, Edward comes to pick her up. And, uh, you know, as they leave, Julia seems sort of resentful towards Amy because her mother is showing some affection towards her. Um, that night, Amy is scared by the legend of Sleepy Hollow and unable to sleep. She calls upon her magical friend and, um, you know, to sing her a song. And Amy helps, uh, eventually falls asleep with the help of her imaginary, question mark, friend. Um, so later... Amy finds a photograph of her father's first wife, Irina, and suddenly, the next time we see the friend, it takes the form of Irina. Uh, and the two begin playing together in the garden uh, on a regular basis. Uh, later that year, at Christmas Eve, uh, Amy buys gifts for everyone in her family, including one for Irina, which, when a bunch of carolers come over and the family's just like, hey, come in for a while, I don't know if this is a thing, but whatever. Um, I think that's an old-timey thing. It's not something people really did that much, but it was the old... Like, a lot of this is, like, playing homage to, like, old traditions that people didn't actually do. It was, like, stuff that people do in movies. So, yeah, they used to have that thing where they would invite the carolers in to have something to eat and drink. Uh, I don't imagine... Or they do it on every Christmas special, like, back yeah, yeah. in the 70s or whatever. Why? It's Willie Nelson! Come on in! <laughs> you yeah, know, anyway... anyway. They invite the Keller carols in and they start to sing another song inside the house, uh, some old ass song. And um, <laughs> some of that old ass Christmas shit. Yeah, it's like <laughs> while erstwhile he did lay a slumber in or some shit like that. It's some bullshit like that. Um, uh, anyway, um, Amy slips outside and gives Irina. Uh, her imaginary friend, her gift, which is a nice brooch. Um, and the next day she goes to the old woman Julia's house and gives her a gift, a ring, which uh, she promptly removes a ring that the King of Spain gave her and put this new ring on because it's such a nice gift. Barbara is kind of enraged by this because her own gifts were like, you know, rejected by her mother um, and says if, uh, you know, and, and it's clear she's getting more and more angry at this little girl. Um, later, uh, Amy finds another photo of Irina and her dad and insists that like, oh, you know, my imaginary friend too. And he's like, okay, point out this imaginary friend. And she refuses to say that she's not there. So the dad takes her upstairs and gives her her first ever spanking because, uh, she's, she's doing too much imagining. And, uh, that's when the teacher who's around for some reason is like, you know, kids have imaginary friends sometimes, and it's not, like, that bad. <laughs> like, they'll grow out of it if they can have a real friend, I guess. And, uh, you know, she convinces Oliver maybe he's going about this the wrong way, but Amy um, is, you know, worried that her friend will leave because now Irina's like, I'm ruining your relationship with your father. I have to go. And Amy runs out of the house trying to find her imaginary friend into a blizzard, um, she crosses the Sleepy Hollow Bridge where she briefly thinks the Headless Horseman is coming, but it's just a truck before, uh, you know, coming to Julia's house. Meanwhile, her parents have started a search party to try and find her. It's freezing outside. Julia takes her in and is like, oh, we can't let my daughter see you. She'll, you know, who knows what she'll do if she finds you. I'll hide you upstairs. She doesn't know the upstairs as well for some reason. And, um... On the way upstairs, Julia fucking dies because she can't handle the stairs. Um, <laughs> Not that she falls. She's, she just she's collapses. Just, yeah, she's just a moth caught in a hurricane of needing <laughs> to get up those stairs. Yeah. But the stairs were too much. Uh, they needed one of those things like in Gremlins that kills the old woman. 
Um, I think they just then, need to take the stairs slightly slower. Just slightly slower. <laughs> Maybe give Grandma a like a good five minutes to get up the stairs rather than just hustling up like there's a fire. <laughs> how about putting Grandma's bedroom on the ground level? Let's do. How about that? I think I think the bedroom was on the ground level. The hiding place was on the second. Oh, floor. okay, okay, all right. Well, that's when Barbara comes home and sees her mother dead next to this little girl. And she's like, you've even taken my mother's final moments from me. And uh, she's like, all right, I'm going to murder this little kid. Um, <laughs> and as she approaches the kid to murder her, um, Amy starts having hallucinations or imagining again and is like, my friend? And sees uh, Barbara as Irina and repeatedly like inquiring her to be her friend. Barbara relents and decides not to murder her. Um, just at time for everybody to uh, arrive and, um, you know, take take the daughter to safety. Back home, Oliver agrees to accept that the imaginary friend is indeed in the backyard and go with his daughter's, you know, imaginary games and, and be her, like, be closer to her, be a better friend to her. And uh, that uh, is the end of the movie. Irina disappears as they enter the house, implying that perhaps the daughter has outgrown her need. For Irina. Because what she really needed was acceptance from her dad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was so, also the problem with the first cat evil, anyway. Um, it, it, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, how about not, that? How does it not, connect? Oh, well, well, first of all, again, readers, I want you to, listeners, I want you to go over that and remember no curses. Mm-mm. Ain't no and cat no people. Cat, people. <laughs> cat <And> it, technically. <laughs> And, Technically and, a cat. And yeah. kind the, of a ghost story? The trailer on this one I'm very tempted to do is the tag on this because the trailer is it is so manipulative. They suggest so much shit is going to happen involving cats and horror and fear. And it is just like they take shots from this movie where the lighting was dramatic and they add like these extreme tags and like lurid like fantasy of danger and things like that pop up on the right. screen you're like what uh, i actually was gonna send. i didn't want to send this because i didn't know if you guys had seen it yet and i didn't want to reveal too much about the story but when i looked up curse of the cat people on like the gift bar there is like a still from the trailer that's like to torment a child and it's the girl <laughs> like turning in her bed <laughs> um yeah, I mean, that just because, let's be honest, this movie really had nothing to do with, I mean, because it's, it's ostensibly a sequel from a movie from 1942 called Cat People. And it is literally Irina, that's her name. Uh, she's alive mm-hmm. at this point. And Oliver, Ollie, is there, the dad. And Alice, who Oliver and Alice are co-workers at this point. And it also stars Elizabeth Russell, uncredited as the actual cat person. Uh, Elizabeth Russell played uh, the Barbara Farron, the daughter in who almost killed the little girl. Um, barely in the first Cat People, but she's got a very important part because essentially, I, I won't get into too much detail of the plot, but how it ties in is Arena is a Serbian immigrant who is living in Terrytown or New York or whatever, and uh, she meets up with um, uh, Oliver. They fall in love, but um, Arena really believes in this old curse from this village she grew up in and that this uh, Serbian king rescued her village from this dangerous satanic cult uh, that worshipped cats or whatever. And king, this king kind of killed everybody or whatever, and she really likes the story, but she's kind of fascinated and scared of cats in this weird thing, especially at the zoo. She's got this fixation with this particular panther. Um, her husband, Oliver... Uh, doesn't like this. He doesn't think much of imagining if I'm going to take the two movies in context. So he, he's not much for, you know, abstract thinking. Um, he sends her to a psychologist because he thinks she's taking these myths a little too seriously. And she begins to suspect that um, uh, Oliver and Alice are having an affair at work. And so that kind of, she kind of releases the panther slash becomes a panther and starts stalking and and killing people and she attacks her psychiatrist they ended up killing her or whatever and then she turns back and we're like oh what happened it must have been a curse or whatever that was actually the curse of the cat people they could have called 
this, the first movie, Curse of the Cat People, would have made more sense. But what happened was is that Cat People was actually a successful movie for RKO. Uh, it made a lot of money. So when this basically same writing team and producing team came up with this story, which originally was titled Amy and Her Imaginary Friend, which I think would have been far more appropriate. Yeah. Um, it was just Based on my notes here, it was just Amy and Her Friend. Amy no, and Her Friend. And yeah. that would have been, anyway, that would have been a great title. But they're the ones. That would have actually. RKO, RKO I mean, was the one who insisted on calling it the Curse of the Cat People. Let's so I'm wondering how much retrofitting oh, was made. Well, I could into this answer a, a small amount, but um, first, title Amy and her friend. Things that are in this movie, Amy's in this movie. Hmm. Her friend, she's in this movie. Yep. And <laughs> a plus, they did it. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. knocked it out of the park. Um, yeah. I think that title's a little dull, but it, it's at least accurate. Um, sure. Anyway, uh, and it, it definitely, like, Curse of the Cat People, like, obviously ramps up the horror aspect. Amy and her friend, because right. I don't know that this is a horror movie. Well, um, that's why yeah. when, when, when Borf brought up the trailer that, like, how misleading it is, the title is misleading. It was meant to be yeah. misleading. They're like, we'll mm -hmm. just call it Curse of the Cat People. We'll show a cat the first five minutes. They'll be fine. Uh, this episode you know. is our September Halloween episode, so I guess it's, yeah. like, we're building right. up to... Yeah, I guess well, so. The, the, the weird thing with this one, I actually know a little bit of the history on this because I vaguely remember watching this in 2006 i had such, such a vague memory of it and i didn't remember much of the movie plot itself so i thought it was scarier but i do remember hearing about the production history on this because they had a a uh, commentary track and i guess val luton is the main producer on this he was producer on cat people but all the stuff he was involved in he was way more hands-on he wasn't a producer in the sense of like it's more like how tv producers are like he was really hands-on. He was really integral in how the scripts were written. He was really integral in how the uh, directing was done. Um, but this one had a funny thing on it because he'd hired a director. He'd hired the uh, Gunter Fritsch and that guy bounced uh, or he got fired because I guess Val Luton didn't like what he was doing. And he went to Robert Wise, who I think at the time had been hired on as an editor. And he said, mm -hmm. you either direct this or I'm gonna get someone else to direct this. And Robert Wise, uh, being true to uh, everything I've heard about him was very bashful about having to take on the directing thing. He was like, I don't want to screw over my friend. And Val Luton just sort of laid it out as like, well, you're either going to direct this or someone else will. So your friend is out of this job either way. It's either going to help you or you're going to, you know, uh, it's not going to do anything for you. So that's why he jumped on it. But uh, it was really strange that they decided to tie these two together because it sounds to me just like what you guys are describing where it was probably just the studio needed a hit. They realized Money. no one's going to go see... Yeah, no one's going to go see Amy and her friend because no one knows who Amy or her friend are. So they just decided to what I, gussy it up. Right. Change it to gussy it up and just go, okay, well, we made a bunch of movie money on cat people, so let's just throw that in there and that'll, that'll at least make our money back mm -hmm. because a part of the reason why Luton was able to get away with what he was with RKO is because he was for the most part under budget and on schedule. That's what happened with Curse of the Cat People is that the guy was running way, way behind and running way over budget and Luton isn't gonna tolerate that. And and honestly I think had they had RKO given this movie a little bit more money and spent a little bit more time on the B story with the Ferrens, uh, this probably could have been a better movie. Um and if we leaned into the heavy of the sort of childhood trauma of fantasy slash disillusionment disillusionment mm -hmm. that would have been a much more interesting movie and we would have ditched the whole you know like bamboozlement of curse of the cat people but well, what i, I mean, do appreciate they're... is that both movies both 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 but the similar theme that i think he does kind of thread into both films is that the whole like ghostly aspects of both movies are driven by an emotional kind of drive like you know arenas and cat people is driven by like this kind of jealousy and insecurity and amy's is driven by loneliness and um you know bashfulness and misunderstanding and and kind of make having more fun in a fantasy that that there's an emotional drive to that and i do appreciate that but that also yeah. is true in cat people uh, as well it's worth it's, noting just on the subject of the renaming because this is a thing i found uh in, in, the, in terms of how the studio handled making this movie and making it a sequel to Cat People. Um, so per like the Turner Classic Movie Archive page on this, um, 
when they saw the cut of this movie, RKO was pretty disappointed because it was not a horror movie. <laughs> so they were like, okay, we're going to do some retakes. They added scenes at that point. So the scene of the two boys and the cat is added. Like originally the movie just truly didn't have any fucking cats in it. <laughs> and so they added this pointless scene of two kids chasing a black cat the last three seconds and a couple other maybe nominally horror scenes. Um, it doesn't say exactly what. And in return, cut a couple scenes. Like, there's a scene where Amy reads Sleeping Beauty, and that inspires her, like, princess stuff that she plays with Irina. Doesn't seem too, too important. But definitely, yeah, they uh, they re-edited it. And, like, they were going to market this fully as a horror movie. Like, they were considering, like, having cat prints going to the theater. Or, like, you know, uh, one, of these, uh, one of these is, send out a small group of men and women wearing cat masks to walk through the streets with cards on their back reading... Are cats people? I don't know what kind. I don't know what kind of marketing plan that was. They didn't do it. But wow, that would have been amazing. That would have been scarier than the movie. Um, yeah, and had nothing been... to do with it. But just yeah, right. Uh, yeah, just a one thing. Since we're talking about marketing on this movie, um, I actually got the DB the the Blu-ray, um, and I noticed on the back, it says sir lancelot as an actor that's i'm assuming that's the cat is that the cat i'm assuming that has to be the cat because i can't find any imdb information <laughs> on sir lancelot <laughs> this is one and only breakthrough and it's a reshoot by a studio wow. uh, I, I mean i don't know about you guys but there's something comforting to me oh no no that, no that... okay uh i'm on the wikipedia page for this film Sir Lancelot as Edward, the, ser the servant. His name is Lancelot, Lancelot Victor Edward Pennard. He was a Calypso singer who used the name Sir Lancelot. Oh, so he was like a singer. They would have known him as like a uh, performer, like a musical guy. Yeah. So he was, in fact, huh. the, 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 the butler around the house. I'll be damned. Well, that's in that case, that's a cool name for a singer. Um, yeah. But I, I it, it, in fact, I, a brief aside about him, though, I did appreciate that he was like a Jamaican immigrant and we didn't lean into a lot of very easily stereotypes and tropes that they could have done. I mean, yeah, having a colored servant in general is pretty problematic, but, mm -hmm. you know, he, he didn't he's from Jamaica. They didn't get all like, you know. He's, he's a very normal person. He's a polite, normal, responsible person yeah. who and likes to clean ships with a vacuum cleaner. He's frankly uh, they, they more likable than yeah. the father. Yeah, and he didn't well, immediately I mean, other fall than into he... the trope of like being magical. He didn't like impart some voodoo mysticism yeah, or anything like that. Right. He's just a guy with a job who's looking after the kid. Right. Yeah. Well, and even so, sorry, kid. I I'd go with you, but these ships need cleaning. You know. So you just got to go <laughs> on your own, little girl. You know. I thought that was pretty goofy. There's a lot of goofy moments in this movie. But what I, what thing it's comforting to me. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but it's comforting to me that even back then, studios will just half-ass a sequel to make a quick buck. Like, they, it, it is, yeah. it, it, it's a comfort to me that this is a time-honored tradition in Hollywood. This is, yeah, yeah this one's a big, a real yeah. big, like, maybe one of the, maybe the worst defenders I've ever seen. Yeah, of, of like, uh, this you, what is, I, I wanted clearly to ask was not meant to be. Can I, I wanted to ask you guys this. What, what is another, what are other violators that you think of? Because immediately what came to mind was uh, Blair Witch 2 that had almost nothing to do sure. with the original the Blair Witch. Texasville. Uh, uh, the two Jakes. Some of... Two Jakes. Well, okay. There's at least a couple. Um, I think in particular the fourth entry in the famously... No sequel to Die Hard except the fifth one was meant to be a Die Hard sequel. They were all retrofitted to be Die Hard sequels. I think it's most apparent with the fourth one, which is really different from the traditional formula. It's like a guy takes over the entire grid of the United States and like it's jumping on like jets kind of shit. That's like way, 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 way more absurd. And it's a buddy thing with Justin Long. Like yeah. truly, I think I think that movie would have been fine as a standalone action movie and is kind of bad as a diehard movie. You could make the argument that Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom has nothing to do with Raiders of the Lost Ark, but yet is a sequel. And that's still okay, like, that for some reason. But that's the format of Indiana Jones. They are kind of like these anthologies. Yeah, uh, I think, episodic, tone, I think yeah. the tone... Yeah. But the tone stays consistent, more yeah, or less. Yeah, right, yeah. And 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 for what it's worth, the, the tone in Cat People and the tone in Curse of the Cat People are wildly different. 
uh, first of all, Cat People was directed by a completely different director, and it shows. Um, this guy, uh, I can't remember his name, something French, and uh, he, uh, it looks French. It's very noiristic, very sharp edges. It's very kind of creepy. There are more elements of scariness in Cat People, I would argue, not as much as some people would say, but it is there. I mean, there's um, murders. There's murders in Cat People. Yes, yes, and there's, there's even... Uh, uh, more evidence of magic and scariness there's there's actual moments part of the goofiness of this movie is that there's no real danger like there's, ever yeah. there's never ever i i never felt like i was worried about amy i you guess know? amy almost she goes out in the blizzard and then that but lady that, is gonna yeah, kill right. her and then the, yeah right i, I don't know yeah, they, they have like they they tease it a little bit there's like a little bit with the little match girl where it's like oh amy's gonna die in the cold and it's like well she's not she's gonna end up right. at that lady's house because yeah they would not have that, that would be a very different film if they just had her go right the and, and the only and reason die. why why we would imply that there's any sort of dread in going in that house is you have the daughter literally say the line i'm going to kill her uh, yeah. That's another goofy thing. It's it's kind of a product of its time where people just say exactly what's on their minds rather than implying it. But it, it, it you know, had they spent more time on that B story, this would have been a more rewarding climax. But uh, as it stands right now, it does feel very shoehorned and, yeah. and kind of hacky. Again, I I, 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 I do not believe, um, I suppose there's room for debate on this. My read of this movie is that... Uh, we are not supposed to believe anything supernatural actually happened in this film. Uh, I think, you know, Irina doesn't become the form of the imaginary friend until she sees the picture. Like, it's all very pretty clear, like, oh, okay, she's just working things into her imagination. I think the teacher even says as much. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's so yeah, like, it's... I guess if you if you thought there was a ghost element, I guess you could argue that for me, it didn't seem like there was a ghost element. No, it, it just seemed it like she had an imaginary even... friend. This film reminded me a lot of, like, Pan's Labyrinth, I would imagine, borrowed a lot from mm -hmm. this. But uh, I think, like you guys are saying, the B story in that, uh, namely the, the 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 brown shirts that were taking over all of Spain, I think, in that. Um, Franco. Mm -hmm. Franco, yeah. That is a really stark uh, and pretty well-defined B story. And it also had, like, real-world danger. I mean, this film was only an hour long, so it's super short. Yo, yeah, I, is but I felt, minutes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I still was all like, "Are we done yet?" Let's like, I, I still <laughs> found myself like wandering around, like what you know, like it. it, it yeah. I clearly got. We're never gonna get to any curse or any cat people. Like once I got at that, a certain we're, point, we're, it's clear. at a certain point, I've abandoned that hope that that's gone. Um, and at that point, I'm just waiting for any sort of danger to befall on Amy. And it's not that I don't have any sympathy for her. You feel bad for her. She's a very sweet little girl who doesn't. You know, she's very lonely, and there's a lot of emotional pull to that. And, but rather than lean in, I think that you, I'm going to give you a point for Pan's Labyrinth because I think that that movie. Uh, oh, I should say, we each get three bonus points. So we're all there. So everyone's at 10. Everyone has three bonus points. But four, if I'm giving you a bonus point for Pan's Labyrinth because I, I think that that movie it, does I well. Get this movie... for anything else. I was going to say, right. Russell, um, <laughs> uh, 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 cordially. Um, it's too bad that we started doing this Halloween round because you had the intro down pat last I know time. Yeah, I know. And this and, time and, and it was now like... we throw a kink in it and it's just totally threw me off my game. Um, but anyway, uh, I, I did want to... Uh, why I, why I want to give you that point for Pan's Labyrinth because it kind of piggybacks my big problem with this movie um, and that Pan's Labyrinth does very well, whereas this movie only tries to do. I think this movie is more in love with the theme of childhood fantasy and disillusionment and and sort of fear uh, rather than telling a story about it, rather than trying to encapsulate that into an actual story. Whereas sure. Pan's Labyrinth, the story, that is the story. It's this little girl kind of coping with the world around her. Um, and and there's not really any of that in this movie. Yeah, it's just and indeed, the, I of... mean, it's a, it's a specialty of, like the devil's backbone is very much the same. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I heard one of the suggestions on this I heard was that, um, they were kind of describing this main character and at least Amy's like imaginary friend stuff as potentially being like somewhere on the autism spectrum because she makes a lot of strange choices, but they probably wouldn't have had a, a means of talking about it at the time. Probably not. Um, but that was one of the things I saw come up that I thought was an interesting take on it because a lot of it is based off what happens in her head 
And it seems like they're almost dealing with it like this is a new concept, like parents haven't considered their children having an internal emotional life before. Um, which might have been a theme in the 50s, like people coming back from the war just sort of focused on their kid. Mm -hmm. But it didn't feel like enough meat on the bone to keep this narrative going. It was like, well, she sometimes imagines things and she's hard to understand and she doesn't make friends very easily. How do these parents deal with this uh, child? And, you know, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, it's it, the storyline felt to me like something that would essentially play out over like a TV episode of like a, mm -hmm. an after school special of like, you know, I mean, it feels like an after school special more than like a movie to me. Right. And they should, uh, had they leaned into that, it probably would have been a little bit more followable. And, and you, I, like I said, I, I think had they, Try, just forget about the whole cat. You could have the same cast members, give them different names. They could be totally different things. It could be a totally different universe. Mm -hmm. And and not saying it would have made the movie much, much better, but we wouldn't have had to waste time with this sort of expo expository information. You had to do that anyway with like the picture and the ghosts and all that. But I mean, then there was this, there's this really shoehorned way of introducing Irina and not even explaining what happened, but just sort of hinting at something really bad happened. And that's why I watch Cat People, because they made it in Curse of the Cat People sound like a better movie than the movie I was watching. And and for what it's worth, it, it kind of is. It's not that much better. Um, but one of the things that they do similarly, like one of the Cat People reminded me more of uh, Gaslight, uh, yeah. where I thought it was a much more interesting take on like a husband not really understanding that his wife is sort of losing it where a gaslight that's a little bit different but it's yeah, still the sure. same kind of that's the ghostly aspect of it well the the memory i have from the first one is that it had a big scene with someone in a pool and like shadows yep. mm -hmm. and it's also known for the luton bus which yep. is uh, a jump yep. scare he does it that, in this movie yeah 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 it's a jump scare that uh has become common since uh in short it's that the lady thinks she's being chased by a cat person and then there's a loud hiss, and the audience goes, oh my god, it's a cat, and then it's just a bus that has stopped. Uh, it's the, oh, it's just a cat style jump scare reveal that it's nothing actually scary that has this, turned into a meme since. In this film, it's uh, done yeah, with the it, sound it of... It happens almost at the exact same spot in this movie. Amy's uh, out in the cold. She's crossing the Sleepy Hollow Bridge. She's remembering the story that Julia told her earlier, and she hears the sound of hooves approaching, and we, the audience, are like, is the Headless Horseman going to show up? Is this a horror movie after all? <laughs> um, and no, it's just a truck with, like, some snow chains around it that mm -hmm. makes a hoof sound for some reason. Never heard uh, chains with tires of chains sound like hooves in my whole life, but, you know, it, it to each their own. And that it, But it, it's funny that that's kind of a... You know he's kind of known for this because yeah that that's a that's a cliche that that can work i mean look even in cat people i was like oh, oh okay oh well that it worked <laughs> you did it um yeah uh, that's why you know it, it, it it's just comforting to me that, that the system never changes you know that like they'll they'll keep hammering out crap and we'll keep buying it <laughs> A clarification on something. This is more. This is not super directly related to the movie, but it, it uh, reminded something Chris said reminded me of this. Definitely at this time, I don't think it was super well known or popular, but the concept of um, of autism did exist in some degree because uh, a man named Hans Asperger was indeed researching it in Europe. Um, he obviously is the guy Asperger syndrome is named after. He's somewhat controversial because while he was doing his work, the Nazis invaded, uh, I can't remember whatever country he was in. Um, and he, uh, you know, attempted, he continued to do his work and didn't have any direct affiliation with the Nazis, but he, he directed two of his patients to a certain uh, child hospital that turned out to be a euthanasia site. There's no evidence he knew that, but both of those kids did uh, perish by pneumonia. Um, so he's a controversial figure. Some people want to retire the word Asperger's because of that, but it's unclear how much involvement he might've just not known for all we know. Well, for what it's worth, the, the book that the teacher brings up to Oliver, to the dad, that's a real book. I mean, it's, it's a real psychological, like psychology book. And, and it's also interesting, you know, I, I wonder if a lot of the sort of horror movie aspect, even with cat people, 
of psychiatry and psychological stuff, how much that wasn't really all that talked about. I mean, psychiatry existed, but it was still kind of burgeoning. I think I think, I think that, that was a Val Luton thing. I think some really? of his films it seems, like, it, it leaned seems into that. Very, yeah. it, the, from the two I saw back to back, yeah, I would say that that he's got a he's got a type, um, and and I appreciate that for what it is that we don't just you know put forth Karloff in a shit ton of makeup and go brah um, sure. uh, to, to invoke fear or dread but this movie never does it never inspires any sort of sense of danger or any sense of like bone chillingness it, it inspires more pity and it inspires more like kind of I don't know about frustration but you're, you're almost like you want to help the kid you know and just like be, I'll be your friend, kid. You know, I feel bad for poor Amy. Yeah. She's just this little girl with an overactive imagination. Yeah. Who's, you know, um, and, and, and doesn't have anyone to really share it with. So she just makes it up. And that's an interesting story. And that's that, that could even be an interesting horror story if you did it right. If you had any sense of that Amy herself was committing any dangerous yeah, You know, there, there is can't. a film that just came out. It's called Daniel Isn't Real. Um, that's essentially what you're describing. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I guarantee you there's like, uh, you know, uh, there's this movie that came out that's kind of in a similar vein to this. It's called either uh, Mama or Mother. Uh, it features this mother whose face is wrapped in bandages and she has two twin boys. Oh, uh, Good Night Mommy. Good Night Mommy. Yeah. And it has some aspects of of, of what you're talking about in it. Uh, I can't say too too much, but but yeah. I, I but even with the the whole idea of fantasy, you could have played a lot more with that with Mrs. Farron. You know, the fact that she clearly doesn't know that her daughter is her daughter. Um, you know, it, you don't really get any resolution from that, and and that's the the main point of danger in the whole story. It's the climax of the film, and because you only get these little vignettes intercut with the movie of what that conflict's about yeah, it doesn't really it, it, tie it, into it, anything it would have been more fun i think if there had been like a direct like death involved there because the uh the capgrass syndrome where she just doesn't think her daughter is actually her daughter it would have been more interesting if there had been like some sort of a coming to a head where she tries to kill her daughter or anything really right. at all involving anyway. excitement There's, and danger but i don't know i like Okay, I mean, this is all true, but I can't blame the movie, really, for this, because I the people actually creating this film, writing the script and directing it, weren't making a fucking horror movie. Like, yeah. the problem here is the studio decided to make this, give this a horror movie title and a horror movie trailer and be like, add more horror shit for some reason. For all I know, the Sleepy Hollow shit was completely thrown in, like, by the studio. Yeah. Um, like... Well, with you that, know, like, I, I just think that you, if your expectation about... of this movie was different going in, like you didn't expect curses and fucking cat yeah. people, so here's you'd probably have a more favorable response to this movie. With the lighting in this was something that jumped out at me, because they do a lot of like interesting things with the lighting, like extreme light during the day to create shadows and things like that. It's because, spoiler warning, everything in this movie that's in the backyard is shot on a, sh on a, sound, on a sound stage. So, um, do you Seems think like that most the, of this movie was yeah? I mean, it was super cheap. But do you think that the lighting yeah. and some of the presentation might have had more of a horror influence than it was necessary to? Like, would it have been better if it had been I, more lyricism rather than making I everything think if they look as spooky and moody? They leaned into like the fantasy element. I think more of it, like where where arena makes like the trees kind of sparkle and the wind kind of gusts up, and it's almost like a. It's almost magical, you know? And I think that had they leaned more into that and not chosen to light it, as you say, in this sort of stark, ghostly terms, uh, it would have been a, it would have been a fucking Disney movie. You know, like, it, 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 this could have been a Disney movie under different circumstances. Zach, I, I kind of agree with you about that part of the lack of stakes in this movie could have been RKO's meddling. Uh, I'm willing to believe that. Uh, but then I saw Cat People, and... It's not that cat people had that much scare or danger other than the fact that she turns into I'm a not, painter. That's I'm not at necessarily least saying, I'm not necessarily saying like, okay, this movie like 
has you still have to think it's great but like mm-hmm. i think the criticism of like there weren't a lot of enough horror elements or things like that is truly because of the false expectations set by the metal like for instance i don't think a beautiful mind is a great movie but if it had been like called like a killer intellect and the trailer was like <laughs> he's lost control of reality very and well who done. knows what yeah, actions he'll take well next. Done. Like you'd go in and watch the fucking movie and be like, well, this is not what this movie's about. And you're very well done. Like the mm-hmm. way it's marketed would fuck up the movie. And I think the way it's marketed is not a fair cr- critique of the movie yeah. per se in this case. Sure. Even if you don't like the point. movie besides that. Zach's got a point from me. That's All righty. That, that's too good. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, that, that I'll concede as well, but even if I just, remove the expectation because like i said i abandoned hope of being scared little before halfway through this movie but it's not even the stakes of danger or dread but it's the even the stakes of anybody accomplishing anything amy's just sort of wandering around and traipsing about and dancing with her friend there's no real action that happens no real it's 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 more like a novel you know it, it doesn't really have any I, I agree it's any actual actionable stakes that that anybody will come even if i remove the the scariness of it i'm just talking just it's, general it's a bit it's yeah. it's a bit slow uh the scenes especially in the first half in my opinion meander a little too much it took a while for me to figure out like what the point of the movie was and that's saying something to feel like this movie has padding because it's 70 minutes long yeah it's short as hell yeah yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. That's what I, uh, you know, uh, there are TV shows that are longer than than this movie, um, and 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 it was shot on a budget, you know, because RKO wanted to shoot it on the budget. I mean, it's not that RKO was broke, you know. This was after Citizen Fucking Kane. Yeah, um, but they shot so this, like, in fact, on the magnificent Amberson sets. Oh well, they're they're gonna milk everything they can out of that movie. Um, so yeah, and that's why I I I just think that it. A lot of it is studio. A lot of it is studio meddling, but I also feel like there was an unfocused nature of what the main character is actually grasping for, and 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 a lot again. A lot of it's inside of the times where they everyone just sits around in a you know fucking you know drawing room and just discuss like what is to be done sure. with little Amy. Um, you know, it, yeah, it it, it it doesn't have the uh, opening fifteen minutes set up the the main thrust of the storyline thing going on. It just kind of correct, and, and, and then, and you could have done that yeah. with Mrs. Farron and, and Barbara Farron. Like, I think if you're going to make that the main danger of the whole show, it, it would have served you better to have that planned out. But like I said, it, this, this movie was, was tossed between many hands and a lot of fights happened, I'm sure. But RKO is the boss and they're the ones who pay the bills, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I felt like even if I, even if I didn't have um, scary stuff in it, I felt like you could have had some stuff in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I don't know. It, um, yeah. It kind of goes over like a lead balloon a little bit. Like if it hadn't mm-hmm. had that title, I think it would have been better. Um, I agree. And if they'd just done sure. a little bit more with the B story, like there were other, yep. you know, uh, just casually yep, looking up capgrass. Spend more time there. Like the uh, evidently the capgrass syndrome was originally thought of as a female syndrome because I guess it's like three to two is the prevalence of it. But they thought hmm. the concept behind it was they thought it was attached to hysteria, which is the <laughs> uh, the old classic lady disease, which is fake. Um, but they did find out that uh, you can temporarily give people capgrass syndrome by administering ketamine. So, yeah, I mean, they could have had a lot oh, more cool. fun with that B story if they just had the uh, the old ketamine. lady. Yeah, a little more ketamine, a little less... Uh, if chatting. your movie's a little dull, add a little special K. There you go, man. Yeah. There you go. Um, Party on. Yeah. Yeah, I think they also could have, like... So, I think, you know, you could spend more time... You know, Amy is kind of the focus and, like, her imagination. I think you could spend more time even, like, A... Like seeing her relationship with like other kids, perhaps even being more mean to her to like give her more sympathy or pathos or spend more time with the father and seeing his like taking a deeper look at his having his wife have a bigger role and looking at his like deep antipathy for the idea of imagination and like examining that a little deeper because the father's a dick. 
He and seems really dense to like paying attention. He doesn't read the room very well. Doesn't yeah. pay attention to his daughter very well. Doesn't no. listen to his wife. Yeah, he's he's a dick. Yeah. I, and it, it it also, I think this movie would have served better, you know, because there's that opening scene where the kids are learning or whatever and she's off daydreaming. I think it would have been useful to see what she was daydreaming about, to let us know right away we're being pulled into the brain the imagination. of a young child, yeah. you know, and I think that that would have served better too. Um, again, had this movie not been so cheap and so rushed, I think that this movie could have been really good. Yeah, there's There's a few good bones in this movie that yeah, that's hey, scarier shit, than dude. the movie. Yeah, but right yeah. yeah uh but yeah i guess it's as good as time as any to get to final thoughts because uh the movie still is pretty well received it was well received at the time and it still has a pretty decent following i mean it's got an 88 percent on on rotten tomatoes and i do not get the hype of this movie i i i, I thought it was a fair attempt as zach says like there's this movie is more of a skeleton of a movie with uh that's missing some very crucial bones but uh that being said the bones that are in there as far as being a fantasy film about childhood ennui uh is interesting and uh mm. you know had we lost the whole context of cat people uh you know it, and spent more time and money on justifying the b story i think this movie could have been a lot better uh but for 70 minutes it really did feel like a kind of a slog yep uh, i'll go yep. next uh, I, yeah, so I, I think that there is, I kind of get the hype of this movie because aspects of the hype, because like Russell, I think there's, there's things here that are later done better. Uh, I think a, a, a movie, and, and this is like something that I could see people who made those movies watching and being like, there's really good, like, this is a fresh idea. It could inspire them in some ways the idea of this little girl with like a deep imagination and examining the psychology behind like her imaginary friend and all this stuff. And, and, and not even in a way that's necessarily horror, but in a way that's examining like this childhood loneliness um, to some degree. Like, I think that's really interesting. Um, and I also think the uh, ambiguity of the supernatural elements where like you watch this movie and you could argue it's a ghost story but it's like very much like but it makes complete sense for this to be exclusively about a, a little girl and her imaginary friend and nothing supernatural happens at any point it's just the power of a child's imagination and I think if they had developed maybe the conflict between her and her father better the B story a little better um, and spent a little less time with like really meandering scenes uh, of like her playing and like less time in that first act getting things set into motion uh, it could have been a lot more rewarding I think it's imperfect but there's little gems here and there sort of in the in the DNA of the thing and, and we kind of brushed by it but I mean it, it is something to be said it's Robert Weiss's first movie you know yeah. and who went on to have an illustrious career um, like not qualified and not even even in the horror genre, I mean, it, it, sure. it's not going to qualify for for this particular theme. But the haunting is one of the it's scariest really movies. We could have done seen. that last year, and it's another movie where the supernatural elements are debatable in right. reality. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that movie rules. But yeah. this movie, again, it seemed like he was more doing this for a favor. You know, like fine, I'll do it, uh, and and it kind of shows. But anyway, I didn't want to end the episode and not at least talk about Robert Weiss and, again, oh, yeah. what an illustrious career he had to post Curse of the Cat. Though I will also give The Haunting credit because, like, it has the benefit of having some truly spectacular source material. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, My thoughts on this are much the same. Um, I uh, was a big fan of Robert Wise, still am. Uh, so I think back in the day it was probably more of a, uh academic interest to watch this. Um, it didn't really stick with me very much, but uh, it's not terrible. It's just uh, an odd fit for what they called it, an odd fit for how it was presented, and uh, I kind of an odd like... fit for our theme. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. As far as that goes, I sort of feel like I put my hopes and dreams into a tree, and uh, I'm now sitting alone on my birthday. <laughs> So yeah, uh, I don't know. Hopefully, you guys pick out something better. Uh, I think the uh, again, the... I, di I didn't hate this movie. It's just a weird choice for the Halloween segment. Yeah, I mean, it's not a horror film at right. all. Right. Yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't hate it, but I definitely didn't like it. 
Um, I, yeah. I definitely did not. It, it wasn't that good. But yeah, yeah. It, and yeah, for for being a horror movie, and again, we're you know looking in that era, there's a lot of like tightrope walking you're gonna have to do in some cases. Like some are just comedies, and and honestly, some are just dog shit. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, like uh, one I of mean, the movie, you know, one I'll of the most prolific classic horror movie like director producers, Burt I. Gordon. Uh, you know, pioneering on special effects for like the amazing Colossal Man. But watch those movies with a modern eye, and uh, you'll be like, this is stupid. I'll be honest, Russell. If you did pick something like Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, I would be impressed, and I would be like, I, all right, man, I was close. <laughs> I, I was so close, and I'll tell you, I'll tell. You, I guess I'll I'll pull the curtain back there, dear listener. Before we do, let's take a quick rundown of the points. So, Chris Borath. You have 11 points because I gave you a point for Pan's Labyrinth uh, with two bonus points to give out. I have two bonus points to give out with 10 points uh, to, for Vital Boating. Zach, you have three bonus points to give out with one point from Chris for the killer intellect tagline for a beautiful mind. Um, so uh, I guess the chore befalls to me to figure out what next, uh, uh, hopefully, horror movie we, uh, I, we get to choose in this era. Because um, I went back and forth on this, and honestly, after seeing Curse of the Cat People, I had to disqualify one because I was debating whether or not it was an actual horror movie. And I already mentioned it; it was, it was Gaslight. I don't know if you Ooh. could really constitute that as a as a horror movie. It's more of a thriller. Um, so I kind of took that out. And one thing that I did see was call it was a movie, a Universal movie, with Boris Karloff, Bela Lugosi, Peter Lorre, but it's like a musical comedy. And it's essentially a ripoff of another Boris Karloff movie that I am going to choose from 1932, The Old Dark House. The Old Dark House. House. They remade it in 1955. Do not watch that one. Watch the 1932 one. That one has uh, Boris Karloff. It's got Charles Lawton and Melvin Douglas. Um, and funny. it's directed by the same director as Invisible Man and Frankenstein. And he's, it's a universal yeah. kind of, uh, it's a universal horror movie from the 1930s. Quick tag in on this one because it's a Colorado connection. Um, when this one was being remastered, there is a trans, uh, there was a film transfer house in Denver. I don't know if it still exists, but they were transferring the original nitrate film so i actually got to see some of the original film from this film that you picked out cool. being transferred in person uh and they said well they, they, they just released gentle, like a 4k so version fire. too that's probably wow, yeah. better than what they had wow um yeah so i thought that would be interesting it's a it's based off a novel or short story by jp presley um so at least that like this source material isn't just uh the the working out the childhood trauma of a particular cheap uh movie producer like luton uh so Uh, and and interestingly i think i think um curse of the cat people which was filmed during world war ii uh, was the oldest movie we had covered ever on this show and uh old dark house immediately superseding it um i guess i have the option of going even further back which would the probably cat, indicate the, the cat, Dr. Caligar. yeah I could like go Nosferatu or <laughs> I think uh, Cabinet or Dr. Caligari the, the, uh, the uh, original Frankenstein oh sure Frankenstein and Dracula are both 31 I think yeah well no I mean the original yeah, Frankenstein kind of... the one that's like yeah, I think Thomas, a... Thomas Edison oh, shot a silent uh, oh. Frankenstein yep. way back when yep I gotta tell you, a lot of the, a lot of what made my choice to pick this movie was uh, that it's available. Because one movie I really want, but I can't seem to find it. I didn't want to have to put forth to go through any more work well, than he already does for this show. Because I was trying to find the the Queen of Spades, uh, directed by Thorold Dickinson. I can't find it anywhere, but it's based mm. off an old Pushkin story. It's been remade several times, but I thought that that was an interesting idea. But no, the old dark house seems to be. Uh, scary and spooky enough and got a really decent pedigree as far as directors and actors so the old dark house it is well the the 1910 frankenstein is 12 minutes long so i probably won't pick that (laughs) (laughs) good night everybody (laughs) (laughs) uh okay i guess that uh that wraps us up gents uh this has been a fun uh meowing good time uh yeah (laughs) 
it's a real real pursuit that we went about here there we go okay um and on that note thank you everybody for joining us tune in next time for round two of our spooky themes with the old dark house uh i have been russell carlson this should and we should uh we should in honor of curse of the cat people this week we should just call the show the literary morse code <laughs> Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I was joined by Chris Bora. Take it easy. Don't get catch scratch fever. <laughs> and also with me, this has been Zach Powers. You aren't my co-hosts. My co-hosts died. <laughs> <laughs> and as we always say on the movie trap, Diane Ladd is too young to be Chevy Chase's mom. See ya. That is the literary... Morse code promise. <laughs> I don't know what literary Morse code means. <laughs> I don't know, but neither of those are in this show. <laughs> well, it's been fun. Oh, See yeah. you, everybody. Yeah.